Well, in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God was moving in the early church. And he did some very important work in those days. And the first thing that the Spirit of God was doing in the early church, according to Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, was that he was moving the people to devotion to the apostles' teaching. That's to say, he was giving them a commitment to the truth that these men taught as inspired by, by Jesus and the Spirit of God who moved within them. He was creating a desire to know and to follow the teachings of the apostles, and the word of the apostles began to play a vital role in the work that was taking place in those days. So not only did the Spirit of God move to bring people into the teachings of the apostles, but the Spirit of God also moved to give them a deeper desire for fellowship. Now, that fellowship was not just a conversation after church. That fellowship involved something much more profound than that, where individuals began to see the needs of the body of Christ and of the community in which they were living, and they began to sell the things that they had, their properties and other things, in order to bring money into the church so that the church could then minister to the needs so that there would be no needs in the community. And this fellowship was a sacrificial devotion to one another. And so the Spirit of God not only brought people, gave people a hunger for the truth of God's Word, but also the, the heart of Christ, that sacrificial heart, willing to devote themselves and give of themselves for the good of others. As we move on in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, we see that the third great work of the Holy Spirit related to the breaking of bread. And they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Now, it's generally understood that the breaking of bread refers here to the Lord's Supper, and many commentaries see it in that light. But the context seems to indicate that it was much more than the Lord's Supper, at least how we practice it in our day. And it was certainly much more involved than passing around a cup and bread uh, to commemorate the death and resurrection of the Lord. Well, consider for a moment the first time that the Lord's Supper took place. Jesus and his disciples were eating a full meal together in that upper room. And as part of that meal, Jesus took bread and he broke it and he explained its significance and passed it around to each of his disciples. He then took the cup and he did the same thing. And he did this to teach his disciples what was going to happen to him. That he would rise, for he would die on the cross, and that he would rise the third day and go to be with his father. And as they shared that meal, they reflected, of course, on what Jesus said would happen. They fellowshiped with each other and with the Lord. And Matthew tells us, in fact, that they even sang a hymn. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 30. Well, the early church seemed to continue 
to celebrate the Lord's table by having a common meal together. In fact, Paul describes the breaking of bread in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 20 to 21, in the following terms. Listen to how it was celebrated in Corinth. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat, for as you eat, each of you goes with ahead without waiting for anybody else, and one remains hungry, another gets drunk. Now, there are a couple of issues that we need to see here in how the early church in Corinth celebrated the Lord's Supper. First of all, Paul tells them that there were two problems that arose in how they were celebrating the table of the Lord. First, some people were going hungry. Now, if some people were going hungry, it implies that they were eating more than one little piece of bread as part of the celebration that took place that day. And the second problem was that other people were getting drunk. And if they were getting drunk, that, that too implies that they were taking and drinking more than the small thimbleful or mouthful of, of wine or juice that was being offered to them. And so the breaking of bread service or the Lord's table was quite different from how we practice it in our day. When believers broke bread, they, they seemed to share a common meal together. And that meal, as we look at it, seems to be open to a number of people. Not all of those people were in tune with Christ and his purpose. And we know this because of how things began to unfold in the church of Corinth. Some people were coming early to this celebration and being gluttons without any thought of anyone else eating food and, and leaving none for those that would follow. Others were coming and gorging themselves with wine and getting drunk. This is what was happening at the celebration of the Lord's table in Corinth. Now, that was hardly the behavior for those who were in tune with Jesus Christ. And Paul reprimands the church in Corinth for their gluttony and drunkenness at the Lord's table. And he tells them that the celebration of the Lord's table had nothing to do with gluttony and drunkenness. And it was contrary to Jesus' life and his teaching. But as the Holy Spirit moved in those early days, believers did begin to get together on a regular basis to break bread. And that accomplished a number of things. First, they ate as a family, as a Christian family, united under Jesus Christ. And that brought them into a place of fellowship and communion with, with his people. And that strengthened their bonds as, as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And so this common meal strengthened them as a body as they shared together. But two, there was a spiritual component to this meal. At this meal, they remembered the Lord and they took part in a celebration to remember his, his death and resurrection. 
And together they, they sang in praise of this Lord who had died for them. Thirdly, they reflected on their relationship with, with Jesus Christ and took inventory of their spiritual lives. First Corinthians 11, verse 28 and 29, Paul says to them, let a person examine himself then, so and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment to himself. And so this opportunity that they had as they gathered together in this meal and as they shared and remembered the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, this was also an opportunity for the body of Christ to examine themselves to see that they were worthy of taking this cup. And fourthly, they shared the good news of this incredible work of Jesus Christ on the cross for the forgiveness of sin through this meal with all who came and ate with them. There was an evangelistic element. Children would come and they would hear the testimony of what Jesus Christ had done for their parents and how they had changed the lives of their parents. Seekers would come and hear and see a demonstration of what Jesus had done through the table and through the bread and through the cup. And fifthly, this celebration that took place, this breaking of bread through the common meal and the, and the hymns that they sung, was a demonstration of generosity. Listen to what the author here says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 46, what Luke has to say. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. They gave and they ministered to the needs of those who were around them through this table of the Lord. This table was such a, an important part of their outreach and their ministry into the community as they shared the goodness of God generously with those in need. This breaking of bread brought people together on a regular basis. Acts 2, 46 and 47 says this, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The early church broke bread together in their homes. And what's clear is that they gathered together on a regular basis and they shared a meal together and they fellowshiped together and they sang and praised God together and they testified to the goodness of their God. Now, throughout the Bible, God calls his people to celebrate and to remember 
One day in seven was used to celebrate and remember God. One year in seven to rest on his provision. The Passover, a yearly celebration of God's deliverance, where they feasted and celebrated and remembered the goodness of God. The Feast of Booze, once a year, living in tents and booze, uh, and, and remembering how God had delivered their ancestors. Over and over again, we see the call of God for his people to gather together and remember and celebrate his goodness. Now, this passion to meet together was the work of the Spirit of God in the body of the early church. Writer to the Hebrews tells us, challenges his believers to cultivate this habit. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day of the Lord coming, the breaking of bread was a celebration where they ate together a, a, a great meal and they celebrated the goodness of God. They stopped to remember what Jesus had done. They shared their food with those in need and they testified to the goodness of God. And the focus here seems to be to bring believers together to share and to stimulate and to encourage one another to good works was not designed, we're not designed as believers to grow on our own. We need the gifts of each other. We, we need that, that interaction in our spiritual lives. And, and these meetings seem to be a demonstration of the, the love that God was stirring up and the devotion that he was stirring up uh, for each other. Now, there were many interactions throughout the scriptures that took place at a, at a common meal together around a table. Remember how Mary anointed Jesus' feet when he sat there at the table anointing him for his death. Jesus uh, addresses Judas and his plans to betray him as they sat there at the table. Jesus sat down with Zacchaeus uh, and, and there at the table he spoke with Zacchaeus. And that was, of course, a life-changing moment for him. The disciples traveling on the road to Emmaus sat down with Jesus. And as they sat down, they recognized him as the Lord, the risen Lord. Jesus, of course, announces his death and resurrection to his disciples while sitting at table. And each of these occasions, on each of these occasions, God's people got together and shared their experiences. And the breaking of bread was, was not just a somber ceremony, but a celebration of the goodness of, of God through his son by feasting and sharing and rejoicing and singing. It represents a, a, a gathering together of God's people for encouragement and remembrance and support, and it included praise to the Lord, generosity to the needy, all of this to the glory of God and to the support of his people. Let me read to you a piece I wrote quite a number of years ago now. It's called The Tricycle. This is what I wrote at that point. It was a beautiful day. 
The sun shone brightly on the long concrete walkway that led up to the house. The perfect setting to try out a new gift. It was a bright red tricycle with a white seat. On it sat one of the most delighted children I'd ever seen. In his imagination, that tricycle was transformed into a race car, a bulldozer, a mountain bike, and even a large transport truck. Sitting now in his brand new three-wheeler, the young boy had rediscovered the walkway. The bumps were mountains to climb or ramps to jump. The cracks were jungle streams ending in great waterfalls at the edges. He crossed over them shouting for joy as imaginary water splashed on both sides. There was a whole world to explore on that walkway. Jungle streams, mountains, raceways, construction sites all sprung to life from the seat of that tricycle. Beyond the walkway, somewhat hidden from view, another scene was unfolding. There in the large front window of the house, watching with curtains slightly parted, stood the young boy's father. On his face was the largest smile I'd ever seen. The tricycle had been a gift to his son. As he watched his son driving up and down the walkway, he would break out in laughter at the expressions on his face, wondering what great imaginary obstacle he had just conquered. At other times, tears of joy formed in his eyes as he realized how much excitement this gift had brought to his little boy. The enjoyment of the gift was his son's deepest expression of gratitude and delight and delighted the father's heart. One of the greatest blessings my heavenly father has given me these last few years are his three wonderful grandchildren. I can honestly say that they have been a delight to my heart. I wonder, however, what my enjoyment of these children means to God. When I hold my one-week-old grandson in my arms, does it spring a smile to his face? When I dance in the kitchen with my two-year-old granddaughter, does he laugh with delight? Does it bring tears to his eyes when he sees my three-year-old grandson on my knee telling me about his day? Is he moved? by my enjoyment of the gifts he has given? Isn't my enjoyment of these gifts a profound act of worship? Isn't delight in them my deepest expression of thankfulness? My gratitude is expressed not only in words, but in the joy I find in my Father's gifts. Life is not just about doing and accomplishing great things for God, it is also about enjoying his wonderful gifts with a thankful heart. As our life becomes so busy, we no longer have time to enjoy his blessings. Some of the most profound acts of worship and gratitude take place on the seat of a tricycle. What was taking place in that early church? In Acts 2 and verse 42, well, as the Spirit of God moved among believers, 
they began to celebrate and they began to rejoice and they began to enjoy the things that God had given to them, the blessings of fellowship, the blessings of friendship, the blessings of being in a body, a loving and caring and sacrificial body of Christ. And they rejoiced in each other. They attended the temple together in Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. They attended the temple together. They broke bread in their homes and they spent time together eating and rejoicing and celebrating, and they received their food with glad and generous hearts, and they praised God. And as they praised God and enjoyed the greatness of his blessings and the fellowship that was theirs, and and enjoyed one another and shared with one another and gave to one another their acts of worship rose up to God and he smiled with delight as his children loved and rejoiced in his goodness. What was happening in that early church? Believers were meeting together and devoting themselves to the breaking of bread together. They delighted to be with each other. They shared meals together and grew in their relationships with each other. They worshiped to God through those meals and, and whether it be in the singing of hymns or in, in participating in a, in, in a, that ceremony of remembrance, the Lord's table together. They, they rejoiced in the goodness of God and in delighting each other, they fulfilled the words of Psalm 133 and verse 1, which says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. And the Spirit of God was drawing believers together in the name of Jesus Christ. And they were learning to delight in one another. Do you want evidence that the Spirit of God is in your church? will look for this work of God in bringing delight in each other. Ask yourself, do believers in my church demonstrate evidence of the first and second great commandments? Do they love and delight in God with all their heart and soul and mind and strength? And do they love and delight in each other as they love themselves? And so the third great work of the Spirit of God in the early church was to unite believers under the work of Christ and to give to them a passion for one another and a passion to worship together, a passion to share together, a passion to break bread together, a passion to remember the Lord in that breaking of bread. Is that what God has given to us? A delight in him and a delight in his family. This was the third great work of God's Spirit in the early church.